Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 290, Preparing Humans for Longer Space Flights. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, and astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. Many may remember the popular one-year mission from 2015, where Scott Kelly of NASA and Mikhail Kornienko of Roscosmos spent just about a year on the International Space Station to understand what happens to the human body in space for that long. Astronauts today typically spend about six months on station. Some NASA astronauts like Christina Cook or Mark Van de Heij have spent closer to a year. We have a good amount of data from crew members on these long-duration flights and quite a lot from short-duration missions during shuttle where crew members spent just a few weeks in space. But to travel deeper into space, we need a good understanding of what happens to the human body for missions that surpass a full year. A human mission to Mars, for example, is just going to be shy of two years at a minimum. To better understand this question, NASA's Human Research Program wants to plan extended missions aboard the International Space Station a bit closer to home. Sounds like a general question, right? What happens to the human body over the course of more than a year in space? But the truth is that this single question has been asked from so many angles. What happens to vision, bones, the brain, even behavior? Many researchers want to know the answer. So an integrated protocol called Cypher is bringing together a huge number of disciplines to investigate as many interesting aspects to an extended human mission as well as standard and shorter missions on the International Space Station as possible. Of course, Cypher is an acronym and stands for the Complement of Integrated Protocols for Human Exploration Research. We talked about Cypher for the first time on episode 186, really as the community was doing the bulk of planning. And it's about time for an update. Returning to the podcast is Dr. Sherry Ubri, the Chief Project Scientist for Cypher, and Nikki Schwanbeck, the Project Manager for Cypher. They were part of episode 186. A new voice you'll hear is that of Laura Sarmiento, Cypher Flight Project Manager. Lots of progress has been made since we last talked, and so we'll start with an overview of Cypher as a refresh and then get into the latest and greatest. So here we go. Enjoy. T-minus five seconds and counting. Mark. Mission start. T-zero. Launch commit light circle. Here she goes. Houston, we have a podcast. Laura, Nikki, and Sherry, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast. Very exciting. We're going to be talking about uh, this this protocol called Cypher. Um, and this is not the first time we've talked about it. This is not the t- first time we've had a couple of you on the podcast to talk about it. But it's been a bit. In fact, it was uh, we were talking just ahead of recording this that this was uh, – we talked about it during COVID – um, and just now we're all together. So this is really nice to have everybody here uh, in the same room and things have changed. So now's a really good time for us to, to catch up and see what's happening and what's coming up in the near future for Cypher. Let's go around and get to know uh, the voices here. Laura, why don't we start with you? You're the, you're the, the new voice of, of the podcast. We've had <laughs> Sherry and Nikki before, but welcome. Hi, welcome. Nice to be here. Um, I'm Laura Sarmiento. I am the Cypher Flight Project Manager. And yeah, it's great to be here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, what's the what's the Cipher flight uh, manager? What's what's your role and what's that responsibility? Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, a little bit of background about me. Um, I got my start at NASA as a high school aerospace scholar, um, where I worked with other like-minded students to plan a mission to Mars. Um, this experience solidified my drive to to work at NASA um, mm. and pers- and why I pursued my education in science. Um, I did five different t- tours as a cooperative education student, um, which is now the Pathways program. Um, um, 
And I have been working with the research operations and integration element for 15 years here. And I've done a lot of different um, experiment support in that time. And Cypher is kind of a uh, collaboration of all of them. So I uh, work closely with Nikki and Sherry and our contractor team to implement the Cypher experiment. Very cool. Well, it's glad to have you on board. A fellow co-op myself, so I'm very, uh, very, uh, very much like the program, and um, yeah, that's why I'm here too, right? Kind of sold me on that. So awesome to have you, Nikki. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, what's uh, what? Now you're the deputy element manager, uh, project manager for Cipher. Tell me about your role. Yeah, so I'm the deputy element manager for the research operations and integration group of the Human Research Program for NASA. And everyone always says that's the longest title in the world, and mm. it is. Mm. But I am <laughs> um, also, as part of that, the um, Cipher project manager. Mm. Um, so I work with Laura and Sherry, and then we have another um, coordinator on our team, Gwen Sandos, and the four of us kind of run the Cypher project manager. Sherry and I are more the up and out um, mm. communication with the ISS program, the commercial crew program, um, and with the human research program. And um, we keep in touch with our contractor team, mainly through Laura and Gwen, but we all work together to get Cypher going. So yeah, I think that's a really important distinction is this, you're not just Cypher. You got all these other, I mean, just like everybody we talk to really is uh, we, the, the, the joke is all the hats. Everybody's got like a whole collection of hats that you have to do. And so we're going to be talking about Cypher, but you're very much plugged into operational programs. Correct. Awesome. Well, good to have you back. Thanks. Sherry, uh, two-timer, now three-timer on the podcast. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, thanks. Um, excited to be here. Excited to share um, some updates we have um, for Cypher. Uh, so uh, just a refresher for our listeners. I know you've been on a couple of times, but deputy element scientist for research and operations and, uh, integration element, just like Nikki. Uh, but you are the project scientist for Cypher. I am the project scientist. I get the, the fun job of, as Nikki talked about, um, sharing what we do with Cypher to, um, the upper management and the different levels. I also get to work with all of the different investigators to make sure that we're capturing all of their science and representing it appropriately. And there are a lot of them. And that's what we're going to get into is this is uh, this is it's called a, an integrated protocol because there are a lot of pieces to this puzzle. Um, and so, you know, we've addressed this before. We've talked about Cypher, but it's been a bit. So let's start from the beginning and just talk about what is Cypher. Nikki, I'll, I'll pass to you to give us just sort of an overview. What is it? Sure. Cypher um, is an acronym. First of all, it stands for the Complement of Integrated Protocols for Human Exploration Research. Mm -hmm. It is the most complex and comprehensive human research project we've ever undertaken in space. It's an international effort. We work have a few international partners that are part of the project as well. Um, it is 14 individual studies that we've um, put together to optimize um, what we are doing with the crew members and the, the um, data collections and the sample collections that we're taking from the crew members. Um, mm. But it does... Uh, it's implemented by us here at NASA, um, but like I said, we are involved with the Germans, the uh, who else? DLR, yeah. <laughs> so DLR, JAXA, yes, and uh, Canada. Canada. Yeah. So, yeah, ISS partners. Yes. So, uh, folks we have a, a longstanding relationship with, which probably helps, yes. right? They're very much used to yep. a lot of the things we're doing on this space station. And that's what Cypher is, right? Cypher, the location where we're doing this research, right, is we want to do this integrated protocol on the space station. Correct. Very cool. Now, um, the, there's a lot to it, right? There's We're going to go into Cypher and, and all the different pieces, but... It's, it's sort of a big project, and, and the fact that we're gathering here just a couple of years after our conversation before about Cypher shows just, I think, how widespread and 
uh, maybe complicated is a good word to, to say uh, about Cypher. So, so Sherry, how would you describe why this is an important thing to do? Why, why are we doing such a complicated suite of protocols and science? Yeah, no, I, great. That's, that's a really good thing for us to share. We know a fair amount of how the body responds um, in space, but we know it as a segmented discipline. Cypher is really important because it's going to give us that look across the human system itself. Mm. So uh, psychologically and physiologically, we're going to understand more on how that body responds to those changes in spaceflight. We have to characterize that. We're going to identify areas where we need to provide support for those longer duration missions. So we'll identify where we need to make some countermeasures or make some changes to really enable that successful human uh, long-duration spaceflight. Traditionally, when it comes to human research, has is this um, is Cypher, the approach here, is it more integrated in terms of how everything comes together versus maybe how I would think about uh, human research on the station beforehand is just kind of onesie twosie. It's kind of all on its own. It's got its own, you know, everybody kind of has their own way of doing things. And maybe it's hard to, for the research to be integrated. Is that sort of the solution here that Cypher is trying to tackle? Exactly. That's really what we're looking for in Cypher. As Nikki mentioned, there's 14 different investigations. We've put these all together specifically to give us that broad look across the human. Mm -hmm. um, in addition, we're doing some data analysis. We're really integrating that data and trying to gather as much information as we can um, as we move forward to give us that real, that long-term look. And we're also, and we're doing that on different durations of missions to be able to to, to characterize the changes. And I think that's an important part of Cypher, right? Yep. Is, is one, of the, one of the key pieces here are the different durations, and we'll mm -hmm. definitely get into that. But um, when it comes to, I think, one of, the, one of the big things here that I think a lot of people are excited about, may, of course, I think in the research community, but I think in the public too, is we're talking about more one-year missions, right? A lot of people got behind uh, the 2015 campaign with Scott Kelly. Um, it, was, it was a very exciting thing, and I think it's very relatable because uh, when you think about missions to Mars, when you think about exploration missions, we know for a fact they're going to be longer. And so this just felt like a really good step towards that, right? And so uh, kind of revisiting that for just a second, Nikki, I'll, I'll, I'll talk, toss it back to you. Thinking about the one-year mission, what was that? What was important about it? And, and how did that sort of lead us to Cypher? Okay, yeah, so that mission was a little bit different. It, we had a U.S. astronaut and a cosmonaut um, that were going to be up there for a year. It was, that complement was developed and kind of cobbled together to make an emphasis on doing both U.S. and Russian research. And it was built off of research we already had in our flight queue, meaning things we were already doing, we were able to just adapt them to be done on a one-year mission versus on a six-month mission. Mm. Where the difference with this one is Cypher was actually solicited. We put out a NASA solicitation and had investigators send us um, their uh, recommendations of what they felt was important in different categories of science. Um, and we took those uh, proposals that were selected from that solicitation and then culled it down even further to come up with what we have, the the 14 remaining studies. Hmm. Okay. So it's, uh, I guess... A lot more pre-planning, yes, maybe. Is this, there's just uh, so we can go into it with, I can maybe maybe it's fair to say even more confidence that the results, what we're going to get out of that one year, will be 
that much more robust. Correct. Scott Kelly was already assigned to this mission. Mm. And then after he was assigned, it was extended to a year. So we only had maybe a year and a half to prepare for it. Whereas with Cypher, we've been preparing for it for several years and really digging into the science and figuring out how to integrate, as Sherry talked about, all of these pretty complex science experiments into one experiment so that they work together to figure out exactly what we want to learn on the human system. And Sherry, to expand upon that, that's really what, you know, that's really the work that you've been doing for the past couple of years is bringing everybody together. What is that joint effort like? Just getting everyone, like, reaching out, getting the solicitations, like like Nikki was saying, whittling down from there. I mean, it sounds like a very lengthy process. Yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a lengthy process. <laughs> We've worked back and forth with um, the in, the um, investigators themselves. We've also worked with the the different funding um, elements to make sure that we're capturing the data they need to understand their risks um, for space. So we've worked really closely together with everyone to integrate everything and be as efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. um, because when you're taking 14 proposals, they're coming in with a lot of resource requests, um, time and hardware um, and things like that. So we're pulling all those together to something that's actually manageable to implement on one individual crew member. So it, it's taken mm. some time to go back and forth. We've had lots of um, investigator meetings and, and, and working groups and, and finally come into a product that both the elements, the investigators, as well as um, the crew members support and are excited about. I think uh, one of the things I remember from conversations I've had about the one-year mission, right, is there's a lot of People, there's a lot of researchers that want a lot of data. They want a lot from the astronaut, but there's only so much blood. There's only so <laughs> yep. much saliva, right? You can't just like be sucking the blood out of an astronaut. It's just like, okay. So so during the one-year mission in particular, they became very efficient at, all right, with a very small amount of blood, what can we do? And so you're thinking about the same things, even though there's these these this grand suite of, of things that you guys are going to be looking at, you also have to look out for the astronaut and their health. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Now, Laura, uh, we talked about sort of one of the pieces that is, I guess, uh, part of the bread and butter of this um, of Cipher is the length of time. As in three categories, short duration, uh, I guess standard duration, the six months that we've been seeing, and then there's uh, extended duration. So uh, let's go into that. What is what is the suite? What are we looking at? What's the data behind it? How many subjects and how many, you know, how many of each? Yeah, so um, like, like you guys have said, the uh, we have different co cohorts of subjects for Cypher. Mm. Um, we aim to have 10 subjects in each of these. So short duration is roughly two to three months or so. Um, the standard duration, as you mentioned, is like the six-month crew members that fly on station and the extended duration is hoping to be uh, closer to a year mm -hmm. um, there. Uh, this allows us um, to kind of have a, a time course of how things um, can change uh, with different systems. Um, you know, in the six months, we know that, and I'm sure Sherry can expand on this, that, um, you know, some things in, uh, either get worse or get better or plateau. And we know that up to sort of like a six-month um, kind of standpoint, but we don't know beyond. And so having the different cohorts of subjects allows us to um, see over time kind of how things change. Um, one way that we've helped prepare us for things is we've organized Cypher where pre and post flight data is the same regardless of the mission duration. So if hmm. someone is launched as a standard duration subject, but their mission gets extended, like we've seen several times on space station here, uh, we can convert them easily to an extended duration subject um, hmm. and uh, be able to be flexible like that to make sure that we capture the most uh, science that we can. And so 
in terms of the the planning with the station program, right? Uh, I'm guessing, you know, you have this set of data that you want. So are you just going to be, is the approach here to be passive in the fact that, you know, whatever happens, happens. If their mission gets extended, it gets extended. Or are you planning with the program, listen, we need a couple of astronauts to go on, only up for a couple of months or weeks or whatever to get our short duration data set. We need a couple of long missions, so we so we need you to plan for that. How are you working with the station program? Um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, with the standard duration, we're, we're pitching those as, no, as nominal, but I'll yeah. probably let Nikki address the, the longer here <laughs> and the shorter of how we're working with the program for those. <laughs> Yeah, so logistically, it's pr actually pretty difficult to do one-year missions. Um, mm. You know, you have to worry about uh, vehicles and how the crew members are getting up and down now that we're in the era of commercial crew. Um, and we have SpaceX vehicles launching. SpaceX vehicles are only rated for so many days uh, in space. I think yeah. it's 210, 220. A single capsule can't mm -hmm. stay in dock to the station for a year. Correct. Right. So there, there are opportunities potentially to extend the the safety rating of the vehicle, but that's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Um, very timely and very uh, expensive. Um, there's other options of you know having a taxi crew come up and bring a new vehicle and then come right back down and leave the crew on station for a longer duration. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of logistics and 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 planning that goes into us, and it is it is pretty costly to do it, as we found out over the last couple of years. So what we are are doing now for the extended duration missions are waiting for those opportunities that Laura talked about. You know, recently Frank Rubio was extended yeah. um, because of the Soyuz leak that happened on station um, back in December. Um, so if he were already a Cypher subject, um, we would have been able to easily convert him to an extent or a one-year mission Cypher subject. But mm. Cypher wasn't quite ready when he launched, so right. he wasn't a subject. Um, but those are the kind of things that we're, we're, we're looking for to try to get those extended mission duration subjects. And we think, you know, we've seen a, a, a decent amount of them. I think we're up to, I think Frank is number six in the history of station that we've extended. Okay. So, um, you know, there probably are opportunities to do it in the future. The other one is, of course, working with the Russians and perhaps getting a uh, one-year um, Soyuz vehicle mission oh, okay. um, as well. And having one of our crew members who launches on a Soyuz be a Cypher subject. So mm -hmm. there's just conversations continuing with both commercial crew program and ISS program to try to get those opportunities. Okay. Now, um, you know, I think one of the important elements here is that uh, this is a, a volunteer sort of program, right? So it's not like you're forcing the astronauts, <laughs> we're going to poke you. Like they, they fully understand what they're getting yeah. into and they sign up. And so what's that process look like? Nikki, we'll stick with you. Um, the process to solicit to an astronaut, you know, say like, would you like to be a part of this? And then to get them into a flow for that pre-mission period where they can start doing science in order to make sure that they are fully prepared for um, you know, their mission and then their post-mission period. Yeah. So about a year before they launch, all astronauts, um, international astronauts and NASA astronauts get in a, what we call an informed consent briefing, mm. where they get all of the human research, both from NASA and all from the international partner investigators. And they get to hear about the studies, what the studies are doing, what they're trying to figure out, what the risks to them are in doing the study, because everything has a risk. Obviously, you're taking blood, you could, you know, get a hematoma or something like that when you're getting a blood draw. So there are um, different things that the crew members hear about. And then the crew member is allowed to select which studies they want to participate in. Mm. So everything, human research is fully voluntary. Um, and then from what they select or what they say they're interested in participating in, our team puts together a complement of studies, whether that complement is pre-made like Cypher 
um, is our only pre-made complement. The other ones that we have, we take um, the studies and figure out which ones work together, and then we put together that for the crew members to do those studies. Hmm. So there's the, even though you know you have you have something prepared, but you it is almost personalized it in is, a way, very um, much because it is a volunteer. So you have to work you have to work with that. Now, how do you make sure that the data is consistent across? you know, however many participants you want, because part of, I think part of the plan here is you do want X number of subjects. And I think the plan is still 30, right? 30 yes. total. Yep. So 10, 10 and 10, <laughs> 10 short, 10 standard, 10 extended, right? So that's a lot. That's a lot. And that's a lot of planning. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot of planning. <laughs> and so how do you accomplish that? So I know like the space station, for example, right? We're talking about, we're thinking about station life, um, this through 2020, maybe a little bit into the 2030s, just depending on how things shake out. So you need to, you have, a, you're, you have a clock to, to get this stuff, right? <laughs> yep. So how, how, how are you working that? Um, well, um, mm -hmm. again, uh, trying to, um, you know, we've made, as, I, as Sherry has mentioned, Cypher a, um, you know, as integrated as possible and as lean as possible to be mm. able to kind of uh, be able to do it on as many subjects as possible. And so, um, you know, the standard duration, um, you know, is probably an easier target to get since we have more opportunities for that. Um, but uh, again, like we've mentioned sort of before, being flexible in our approach to this to allow for um, if someone were to extend or I don't know if the possibility for someone to shorten is there, but if, if it is, then, you know, we have those opportunities to kind of uh, capture those subjects in that time. Now, where are we in terms of the timeline for Cypher? When we checked in, we were, we were talking about bringing everything together. Now, we're are we close to getting people to sign up? We have subjects, Sherry. Yeah, so we currently are um, working with pre-flight testing for uh, two crew members that are launching this summer. Um, so oh. we have two subjects that are participating, and we're looking forward to additional subjects um, as we move forward. So we're we're starting this. We're getting moving on this one. <laughs> Any hints on who they are, or we have to stay hush-hush on this? <laughs> You'll see them as they go through the process. Okay. All right. <laughs> very, very good answer, Sherry. <laughs> All right. All right, but that's good. So, And I think it's important. Uh, I think this is a nice distinction, right, when we talk about the um, – we talk about how many samples you guys are looking for, and we talk about that. It's not like it's just one sample a year for 30 years, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you have multiple crew going up at any given time. Um, you, we have the commercial crew launches. We have um, the Soyuz launches. And so there is a significant pool of people to that can ultimately end up uh, participating. So yep. um, that's that's pretty exciting stuff. Um so let's see, um, looking at uh, international community participation. Uh, now this is, you know, we're talking about, I want, I'm, I'm trying to buy some time until we get into the actual science, like what are we doing? <laughs> um, but, but in terms of pulling from, uh, you know, not only different science disciplines, but different communities, we've talked about, uh, we've talked about JAXA, we've talked about um, some, some other of our ISS partners that are coming in. Um, Sherry, this is an important element, right? And I think it also is reflective of if we get the science community from these partners in, maybe we can see more participation from international astronauts as well. And maybe that's part of the justification, but it also sort of adds to the complement. Yeah, so we're very excited that Cypher is an international complement of research. So we have studies from um, several different agencies. Uh, as, as we move forward, we'll solicit um, 
uh, crew members to participate from different uh, agencies. Uh, mm. and, and so this is going to give us lots of information across not only NASA crew members, the whole participating as well. So it'll be an interesting look and it, it's kind of getting a, a little bit of a great community um, effort. So it's not just U.S. investigations that we're going forward with. So mm. I think it, the support is, is out there for international as well. That's very cool. All right, let's get into the science. Now, <laughs> last uh, last time we talked, um, we were talking about uh, 17 research protocols and six disciplines. So, Laura, where are we at now? How has Cypher evolved? Um, yeah, so we've uh, combined a few protocols. So we are now with uh, 14 research protocols, um, and that's just more for um, ease of being able to plan <laughs> um, a mm. lot of this stuff because they had similar requirements um, of what they were looking at. And so um, we've combined it into 14 protocols um, and have combined the disciplines as well to kind of be able to package this, um, you know, mostly for the crew. So like uh, Nikki mentioned, we have, you know, informed consents and Cypher is a lot to digest at once. So we've mm. um, combined it into different disciplines and and sort of, um, come, you know, put things together that make sense in the types of testing that we're doing. So, um yeah. In terms of terminology for our listeners, just to help us understand what those distinctions are, what is a research protocol? What is a discipline? Oh, um, yeah. So the research protocol is the individual um, protocol from the PI. Um, so they're, what the PI is looking at, the principal investigator there is looking at um, for their specific research. Um, the disciplines hmm. is just sort of how we've grouped um, different types of tests. So we have, um, you know, all of the blood and urine samples that we do are grouped together. Um, hmm. We have a couple studies that are looking at um, the cardiovascular system. And so we've grouped all of those together into a cardio section. Um, and so that's uh, kind of what we mean by discipline is looking at the the kind of section of the of the body or the, or the discipline of the body that they're um, looking to research. Okay. Sherry, I'm going to go to you to help us to walk us through those disciplines, okay. right? So um, <laughs> the first category that um, is is bone and joint health. Yes. So what's this category? What's this discipline? <laughs> yeah. So for bone and joint health, uh, really, these are studies that look at the astronauts um, and understand the changes that are happening to their bones and joints. Um, we've seen that they lose bone density um, and muscle quality faster in space than on Earth. Uh, so we really want to understand how does that happen? Um, we defining what the calcium loss, um, really happens to be, um, and, and how that, that changes, um, their skeletal system as they rebuild when they come back. So what do we need to provide for support later on to prevent that loss from happening or to, um, regain the strength when they return? Hmm. Okay, and the next one is brain and behavior. Yes. <laughs> so th this is a very interesting one. So um, as spaceflight happens, um, fluids in the brain shift due to that low gravity in mm. space. Um, and the long-duration spaceflight may slightly alter brain structure. Um, and these changes could affect how the brain processes that spatial information um, and, and affect crew performance. So if they're not understanding what's changing in their environment, they may not respond exactly how you would expect on the ground. So the, these studies are really understanding how those changes happen and how that impacts the crew responses um, especially as we're going longer duration with less support from the ground, it'll be under it'll be important to understand how those crew will respond um, in certain situations. Hmm. Cardiovascular. <laughs> um, for cardiovascular itself, 
Um, research has shown that long-duration space flight um, can lead to stiffer arteries and, and increase the risk of heart disease in particular. Um, really, the science scientists are going to understand those changes um, and, and how they alter and potentially um, impact those, those longer-duration missions. And there's various ways they're going to do that. Some of the novel ways that are happening um, that we haven't been able to look for in flight, they're doing some some uh, CTs, some MRIs, and, and lots of different imaging modalities um, to get a better understanding of really the changes that happen to that cardiovascular system. And these, uh, a lot of these were picked just from our understanding of what happens to the human body uh, in space anyway, right? Like we already know there yep. are cardiovascular changes. We already have yep. been doing a lot of cognitive and, and you know, behavioral studies, um, bone and health. That's a very common one. That's like one we always point to. <laughs> exactly. Is like, oh, bone and muscle loss. Yeah. You know, these are very common things. And so that's, is that sort of the reason why you're grouping some of these things together. Yeah, it, it, that's the perfect example of why we're, we're trying to okay. group these together. But really with Cypher, it, it's unique that we can look across those systems in the same human and mm -hmm. analyze how those different systems interact with one another. Yeah. For example, if there's, you know, changes in immune function, does that lead to inflammation that cause cardiovascular responses? Those types of things across the human is what, really what we're looking to understand more. Because I think what's interesting is the next discipline that I was going to reference was exercise, yeah. right? But the first thing that comes to mind is a lot of the bone studies and everything. There's there's some crossover, right, with between the bone yes. and muscle loss. There's there's the exercise. So so describe like, you know, exercise as a discipline in and of itself, but then how you distinguish the exercise discipline from the bone <laughs> discipline. <laughs> and a lot of it's very artificially done is to separate those. And oh, that's why this is this is very unique to look at both. So hmm. exercise is going to have impacts on the bone. It's also going to have impacts on cardiovascular fitness. So the and um, exercise has some impacts on um, spatial orientation and cognition as well. So hmm. uh, it, there, there's a lot of overlap. So we separate them because we traditionally have so piped and separated them, and that's how we look at things. And a lot of studies have been done individually looking at exercise. So. Um, this gives us an opportunity to look at the impacts on other systems as well. Does it also help you with the protocols, like with the disciplines, right? So like a, a, there, there can be a specific protocol in the bone discipline that's yes. more, uh, that's just different from something that is exercise, yes. right? And that, okay, so that, <laughs> yeah, that so, kind of helps you. So, so if you look at the bone discipline, they're going to look very deep in bone turnover and how things exactly, how things happen. Mm. Um, exercise is going to look at ways to prevent some of the bone loss or mitigate some of the issues. So we're uh. understanding exactly how the change happens and trying to help prevent um, some of the decrement as well. Okay, it's like a cause and understanding versus like this is just like the countermeasure and the, okay, yeah. I understand. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all clicking. All right, yeah, so, uh, sensory motors, the next one. Yeah, perfect. So sensory motor is probably one that people think of the, one of the most when crew members return. Um, yeah. So when they're readapting um, to uh, gravity itself. So a lot of times the astronauts are going to have some dizziness and disorientation um, when they arrive at station because they're changing gravity. So up and down are not the same as what you, what mm -hmm. you, the cues that you're used to on Earth. Um, and then we, when they return to Earth, it's a very similar situation. They're used to floating around and now they have this gravity that's pulling down on them. Um, so really understanding how the crew adapt to those changes, how quickly they adapt and how we can help them adapt, um, especially when we go to places like on Mars mm -hmm. when there aren't people there to support them um, going through some of those changes and they have to figure out, okay, 
I'm able to do um, particular exercises or things like that that help us reorient to our new um, gravitational situation. So is it fair to say that like some of these sensory, the protocols that are in that sensory motor discipline may be something that we've seen like in the Kazakh step, which is, you know, some of these like, uh, what was the study back in the, in the Kazakh step standard measures or uh, yep. so field tests, field, field tests. Test. Yeah. Yep. It's something like that, but you're going to be doing it on like the SpaceX boat and in the desert for, uh, for Boeing. Is that sort of like, can we see more of those? And that's part of this. That's exactly part of this. Actually, um, standard measures is part of Cypher. Oh, really? So it's all uh, those same measures where you have extra things that will happen right after landing yeah. um, that will add on to look at some of um, virtual reality goggles and, and we'll add in some of the exercise with the egress fitness oh, testing, cool. those types of things. So we'll, we'll test the sensory motor and we'll add some of those other measures as well right after landing. Very cool. So yeah, for, for those who are following along with these missions, if you see like a pop-up <laughs> tent in the desert like that's what's ho- that's what's going on um the next one is vision another big one when it yes. comes to space flight that we talk about a lot yeah so that um sp- space flight associated uh neuroocular neuroocular <laughs> you, you got the support <laughs> group yeah that was a, that was a moment yeah <laughs> or sans as we all like to call it uh-huh. <laughs> is one um, we're still trying to understand and learn a little bit more on why those those vision changes are happening. And this part of the protocol um, helps us look at that and, and understand um, how fluid shift impacts, um, how the, the function of the eyes changed, impacts on the brain, those types of um, alterations that we're seeing. Very cool. Last one is biomarkers. So this one is one that we have spent a lot of time on. Um, This is one where we have integrated as much as possible. You talked about it earlier. Um, There's only so much blood that we can get (laughs) from a crew member. Um, And so what we did, uh, the teams worked very hard to um, identify any areas of overlap. If we can data share any Mm. measures that we're doing, make sure we're collecting things on standard timelines. and be as efficient as possible to get the most amount of science that we can um, from all of these biological samples. So blood and urine um, and saliva sample collections in particular are what we're looking for here. I thought that was an interesting discipline because, you know, like um, <laughs> the, the way that you categorize things, it, it's it's a mix of, of why you pick the disciplines that you did. Like, so one is like bones, right? That, that yeah. makes sense to me. You focus on the bones. Yep. There you go. Okay. So we want to learn about bones. But biomarkers is just the stuff that we get and you just yep. put it into one category. But the reasoning is because of exactly what you just said, is because yeah. everybody wants stuff. So if we put it into one discipline, how can we best utilize the, yeah. the stuff? Yeah. And so biomarkers, I mean, really everybody is wanting something from those biomarkers yeah. um, from head to toe. Yeah. <laughs> so it's important information for, for to use. Scientists are gross. <laughs> <laughs> said it nicely, head to toe. <laughs> uh, very cool, though. Thank you. I know, I know that was a lot. I had you, I was focused on just you, Sherry, for a bit to, to take us through that whole thing. But it was, uh, it, w- it was awesome. So, so thank you for taking us through that. But uh um, going back to the planning, Nikki, I'll, I'll toss to you for just a second. Um, now, in terms of you know one-year missions, in terms of uh, the st- the standard stuff, when you're actually running it, when you're actually doing it, um, what is that like? Is there, do you have researchers from all over just you know constantly working with the payload operations and, and doing real-time things? Um, you know, is it? Are, 
is it just how how are you working with the pre-mission, post-mission, or pre-mission, during-mission, post-mission with all of the researchers to make sure everybody gets their time? We have an amazing team that is behind all of this. Uh, we have folks who are specifically focused on the pre and post flight testing and, and making sure the crew members uh, follow the constraints that are required to do the testing, both pre and post flight, schedule everything with their crew schedulers, make sure they can get to the hospitals to do their MRI scans and things mm -hmm. like that. We also have a team who runs all of our in-flight operations um, and they sit console. We have our own uh, control center in MCC called the Telescience Center. Oh. And the reason it's our own is because we have a lot of video on conversations that are crew private medical data, mm. essentially, even though it's for research that is we try to keep very private so that it's sure. only the who needs to know is there and in the room. Um, and it's very close off. Like I can't even go in the room, even though <laughs> when they're doing these sessions, even though I'm the project manager. Um, uh -huh. Because we want to protect crew privacy. Makes and so, sense. and then behind um, those operations folks, we have um, people who are specifically assigned to just one of the experiments in Cypher. So they're called um, science support personnel, and they're there to help answer science questions. They know the ins and outs, they know the procedures, they can help the operations folks, they can answer PI questions, they can run down if a question comes from the crew for the PI, maybe the PI is not present in the TSC, they're they're remotely tied in, they can work with the PI to get the crew the answer that they need. Mm -hmm. um, if something goes wrong, everyone kind of pulls together and, and just tries to do the best we can for the crew members. We also look at sometimes a crew um, says, you know, hey, can I do this test later in the day? So then the team will go off and look and say, okay, can they do the test later in the day? Are there constraints? Can do this, Does he have to fast? So is he going to like not be able to eat any food until noon because he doesn't want to do this till later? Or can he exercise before it? Or does he have to wait till later? Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot of things that the team that goes into this that the team really keeps track of and looks looks at. And I honestly don't know how they keep track of everything. It's a <laughs> lot of information. It is. Okay. that I think, and that's what I'm trying to get at here is just like you talk about, we, we have a team. We have, and it sounds very expansive. You have folks that are, that are working with the flight operations teams. You obviously have to work with all of the different researchers, mm -hmm. right? So you have to be in constant communication with them. Um, you can't, you, you, someone's got to be tracking all the biomarkers, right? So <laughs> that's Laura. <laughs> <laughs> well, the organization of, of kind of everything there. I mean, so. Um, yeah. Organization, okay. It, a lot of spreadsheets, um, yeah, a lot it. of meetings um, <laughs> to make sure that we're kind of all on the same page there. Um, and yeah, so the um, as the flight project manager, I'm kind of the um, oversee all of the different individual teams of Cipher. So as, as Nikki mentioned, um, each of the kind of disciplines that we have of Cipher has its own team of folks that mm -hmm. is looking at the specific requirements of that um, of that particular section of Cipher and. Um, it's it's a lot to kind of track and keep up with, I know, and that's why we kind of chose to 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 um, separate things out by disciplines in order to kind of break it down into smaller chunks to be able to uh, actually implement <laughs> to make it more manageable. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it, it has to be right. Yep. It's uh, it's too much for like a single person. Oh, I, yeah. know, I know you're doing a lot of spreadsheets, but you have to rely on other people. Oh yeah, I definitely have to rely yeah. on the teams. Um, you know, they they are the experts in the knowledge. Like I I definitely have a big picture idea, but you know if there's <laughs> Um, that's, that my, my brain isn't big enough for all of that. <laughs> I think it's fair to say this is probably the biggest undertaking that the human research program has, has taken on. I mean, yes. we, they've taken on some big, big projects, but just because of the expanse of this and because it's so integrated with a lot of different disciplines, this is probably the, the biggest, the biggest research project that of, in NASA's history, maybe. 
Yeah, it's been in development for a while. I mean, obviously, you know, I would say the start of it began after we did the one-year mission with Scott Kelly and some of the findings. Then HRP management was like, hmm, mm. this, you know, <laughs> this is a good idea. And so it really started then. And then we got all of the protocols from the solicitation in. Um, and we did kind of a, a quick uh, feasibility assessment uh, as far as, you know, information of how easy or how hard it would be to do it on station. We provided that information to HRP and that's what went into part of part of what went into the culling down of those studies into yep. the ones that they selected. But that was in um, late 2018. Hmm. So <laughs> but from that point to the time we got our first subject was four years. So four years of development have, has gone into this. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been a long time coming, but it is exciting. You're talking about this summer, right, right? Yeah. to start kicking it off. Yeah. So is there um, is there evolution built into the plan? So you have, uh, you've, like you said, it's been a long time coming you, and you have this. Is it rigid, right? We want to maintain that science and we want to, this is the protocol and that's the way it's going to stay for the rest. Or is there some learning and development and refining that happens along? Yeah, so what we've really worked hard on is uh, identifying those gold standard tried and true um, type of tests and, and methods that we're using. Mm -hmm. The goal is that we have that consistency yep. across Cypher so that we can not only look at that individual's variability, look at the variability across crew members. So we really need to make sure we're implementing this consistently across um, the different durations and the different crew um, to be able to understand those changes and, and really get the the statistical analysis that we need to, to identify if those changes are, are really being seen or not. Okay. Now, um, in terms of, you know, planning for the future. Um, so one, th one thing that I'm thinking of is I, I mentioned this in the beginning is, you know, station, we have it for, you know, maybe <laughs> another decade. Right. Right. But there's this, um, there's this idea of commercialization and commercial destinations that happen in low Earth orbit. Um, yep. Is the plan, you know, if you don't make your your n equals thirty, is the plan to continue it on, or are you trying to maximize the time with International Space Station and then kind of bounce off from there? I think we're trying to maximize what's going on with the International Space Station. Part yeah. of it is because you know we as NASA control that, and we right. have our hardware and everything that we need to do the study on station. Right now, we don't quite know what the commercial platforms are going to be able to offer. That's fair. Um, and we don't know much about it yet. So we're going to maximize what we know, what the known is at the time, get as much done as we can. And once we learn more about what the commercial um, platforms are going to be able to offer, then, you know, obviously, if we still have outstanding subjects or more data that we, we feel like we need, then we can certainly consider that. Goes back to your point, Sherry, about that consistency, right? If the if the environment changes, then you know you, you want reliable science, reliable data, and so if you can go to the same place for as long as possible, that certainly helps. Using the same equipment, right? You don't know if you're going to have new research hardware, new equipment, um, so you just want more of the same. So that makes a lot of sense. But this is all preparing for, you know, I think a lot of the interest here, you know, you, Nikki, you said, you know, this sort of kicked off after the, the one-year mission. This is preparing for longer missions, right? So I think that's the exciting part about this is, you know, where we have low Earth orbit, we're maximizing the use of the International Space Station as a test platform because we want to better understand the important part of getting the boots on Mars is understanding that human. And this is, this right here is the integrated solution to best in the, in the time that we have left with the International Space Station to best use it for human research. And that's pretty exciting. You, you guys are a part of that. You've, yes. you've invented it. You've built it from the ground up. 
a lot of history that's come into it, but you're part of something really grand here. This could be the final like home stretch to understand as much as possible. Um, of course, you know, there's, there's still things that we can learn. <laughs> it's not like we're done after, after exactly. space station, but, um, it's gotta be exciting, Laura, to just be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, um, well, it's definitely been challenging because it's been, you know, new and trying to figure out um, how to organize it all. Like mm -hmm. um, uh, part of the exciting part for me is, is been getting to work with some of our international partners a little bit more because um, we don't normally do that um, on a, a lot of cases. Um, and then mm -hmm. kind of like I mentioned at the beginning too, I mean, this is a culmination of kind of a lot of the different projects that I've been on. So some of the principal investigators with Cypher I've worked with for years. So it's been cool to kind of see the evolution of how mm -hmm. um, they've changed their protocols as, as they've learned um, things as well. Um, and, you know, getting to work at the team in different ways as well, because we've had to be a little bit creative and adaptive and innovative with our processes to in order yeah. to get this to work. So um, that's been kind of a, a, an interesting thing for me since, you know, using my experience to to be able to get this to work has been kind of cool to see. And I'm excited that we're that we're finally starting. <laughs> yeah, Sherry, I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective, too, because as the, as, as the sort of science person here, the project scientist, you're thinking, I think you got, ex you have more exposure to different kinds of human research than a lot of people. And so seeing that, seeing the breadth of human research and understanding what Laura, what Nikki, what others are doing to bring it all together and make it into one protocol from a scientific perspective, what excites you about the possibilities that Cypher's going to bring? Yeah, so really every Everything excites me about it because we are really pulling together data that we wouldn't have looked at together before. So this is going to give us a whole new perspective on how that human adapts and, and give us a new level of understanding of how things change and, and how spaceflight impacts that human and where we can go from here. And, and it's just it's going to open up. I, I know some new questions that we haven't had before, which mm -hmm. is, is extremely exciting for me. Um, we'll answer some old questions, but we'll get new ones that we'll be able to really look at and, and gain more insight and, and just have a whole new level of understanding. So that's really what's exciting for me. Yeah. And uh, Nikki, for you, I mean, um, you've been working on this for a long time. And as, as the project manager, the person that's sort of trying to make everything <laughs> come together, the exciting part here is that you have subjects in the mm -hmm. very near future and you get to, I mean, you're, you're going to start here. Is there a sense of relief or is it just more anxiety that, oh my gosh, now I got to kick this thing off and it's just going to be, you know, like what's, what's your feelings going into? It's definitely both. Both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it yeah. will be for a long time. Yes. <laughs> it's very exciting yeah. to get started, to have our first subject um, subjects, you know, start through the process and, and even to get feedback from them on as they're doing some of the pre-flight testing. So I'm excited when they do, when we do our first session on station to actually see like all of everything come together. It'll be, it'll be very exciting. A visual of yes. all the work that you've been putting into. It's been spreadsheets up till, up till now, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, very cool. Is there ground testing though? Is there stuff like you practice the procedures and you kind of get the, the subjects accustomed to what it's going to take? Cause they're, you know, you don't have a, research person that's going to be poking and prodding they sort of have to do it themselves <laughs> right, right. So yeah i keep mentioning the poking and prodding i'm sorry it's, like, it's definitely more than You're just poking on <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's a lot of complicated stuff but yeah i just yeah but yeah 
they they have to get accustomed to that. Yeah. So what we do pre-flight, we do a lot of uh, baseline data collection. So we really understand what their baseline is before they fly. So we mm. do a lot of testing before flight. I see. We also do a lot of training so they understand what hardware they're using, what um, data that they'll be gathering, how they do their poking and prodding, yeah. um, all those different <laughs> things. So they're pre- prepped for that when they get in flight. So nothing's new to them. No hardware's new. They, they've, they've seen it all before, before they get up into station. Very exciting. Well, this is great. I, I'm, I'm excited that we got to chat ahead of the uh, first couple of subjects. I hope we learned so much from it. And the fact that we got to talk now, I think, is very, very appropriate because this is going to kick off a whole a whole couple of years, couple of years, listen to me, a decade probably <laughs> of, uh, of, of research. And that is, I mean, the fact that of all the work that's been put in to get to this moment and prepare for that, try to get as robust human science in low earth orbit as possible um, through the life of station is going to be is super exciting. So thank you all, Laura, Sherry, Nikki, for coming on and, uh, and describing Cypher. Really exciting stuff and uh, all the best for, for the next couple of years. It's going to be very exciting. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, thank you for having us. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Hope you learned something today. It was great to catch up with Sherry and with Nikki again. Welcome back to the podcast. And of course, Laura did a great job on her first uh, run here on Houston. We have a podcast. Really good conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, we have not, uh, this is not the first time we've talked about Cypher. We've had uh, these uh, guests on before, particularly Sherry and Nikki, to talk about Cypher back uh, when it was in its planning phase. Uh, just now, of course, for this episode, we're right uh, before some of the first subjects, but on episode 186, which was titled at the time, The Next One Year Missions, uh, you can go listen to Sherry and Nikki describe this uh, cipher back uh, when it was first being planned, and you can sort of pick up on some of the differences and the evolution of what's been worked over these past couple of years to refine cipher. Um, It's pretty interesting stuff if you want to go back there. You can also listen to uh, episode 127. We talked with Sherry Ubri. uh, This is her third time on the podcast, but Back on 127, we talked about her role as a in human research integration and what it takes to bring several disciplines together. That's another interesting discussion because you can see how much her role has expanded over time. Uh, and then we referenced, of course, the one-year mission, but we didn't talk too much about another human research study called the Twin Study. And you can go back and listen to episode 87, titled The Twin Study, to learn more about that investigation. And it's also a really good discussion and of how things have evolved in the human research um, world here at NASA. Uh, so 87 if you want to check those out. Otherwise, you can check out our full collection on nasa.gov slash podcast and listen to them in no particular order. And if you want to talk to us, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages. You can use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea or ask a question. And if you want to talk to us specifically, just make sure you mention us. Houston, we have a podcast. This episode was recorded on April 18th, 2023. Thanks to Will Flato, Pat Ryan, Belinda Polito, Heidi Lavelle, and Jaden Jennings. And of course, thanks again to Sherry Obrey, Nikki Schwanbeck, and Laura Sarmiento for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on and tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.